Welcome to this week's Three Legs Bar Wheels F1 podcast. It's Paul here with... Sean. Chris. Lee. And um, joining us to discuss... What can we say about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, because it was unique. Um, on the line we have... Somewhere? Sean Kelly, a.k.a. Statman. Hiya, Sean. Thanks so much for, um, thanks so much for joining us this week. Um, we'd, we'd arranged this show um a few weeks ago and by god have we got a race to talk about <laughs> well you got that right <laughs> yeah um i mean we knew we knew on paper that this was going to be a fast and possibly a bit scary racetrack but uh it was even faster and even scarier um and it delivered one of the most extraordinary races i've ever seen i mean i i struggle to think of a an analogous race. Normally when you watch a great race, you can think, oh, this reminds me of such and such a race or this, this race, this race, this race. There was only one example I can ever think of that, that was similar to this. And it was Suzuka 1989, the famous race when Senna and Prost had their first oh, yeah. title winning collision that in terms of the, the, the tension at the venue, I mean, I wasn't obviously at Suzuka 89, but you know, I watched it. I was watching on television and, um, and subsequently, you know, know the stories behind the day. But to be in Jeddah that, you know, yesterday evening when the two outstanding drivers of this championship battle were going at it hammer and tongs, it was it, it was extraordinary. It was captivating stuff. I mean, everybody, not just the fans who were there, but the staff was all were all glued to the television. You know, we're normally we're starting to pack up stuff. We're all stopping. People stopping what they were doing to watch us because it was just, you cannot take your eyes off Formula One right now. No, I mean, we were, um, there was a crowd of us having a chat on um, on our Discord server and every everyone was just, I think the general consensus was, I've never seen anything, anything like this before in any F1 race or any motor race. And um, one of the comments was, is there a channel showing something like pro celebrity knitting? I need to chill out after this. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I. I shall sentence you a, a week of watching the 1999 Spanish Grand Prix to calm down. Funnily enough, some, somebody's somebody's asked the us best to do of the French Grand Prix. Somebody's Ooh. asked us to do a retro review podcast of that exact race, and my answer to that was no. Bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, that's definitely your Valium. Formula One Valium. Watch, go and watch that race. <laughs> I mean, it'll, it'll certainly bring you back down to a sort of more more neutral level. Unless you've been eating cheese before you watch it, then yeah. you will have weird dreams. Well, you know, well, you know, I, I, people who follow me on Twitter and have listened to me on this show before know that, you know, I've, I've constantly said the good old days were not as good as you remember. And what we have now, yeah, Formula One has its flaws, but it has always had its flaws. It, it's a changing beast as technology evolves and safety evolves and, you know, the earth evolves. It's a, it's a constantly organically changing beast. And some things about it are not quite right. You know, the cars are too heavy or they're too long, blah, blah, blah. But at the heart of it, the racing at the front right now is as, is as good as it has ever been in the history of the championship. And... When all said and done, we've got one last chapter to write here in the United Arab Emirates, which I'm talking to you from now. And we don't know how that's going to end yet. But up to this point in the story, I think this has been the greatest head-to-head 
championship season we have ever had. It's better than the Prost Center era. And I lived through that. So it's not like I, I read it retrospectively. This is better. This is something we will say 30 years from now. I remember that Hamilton Verstappen stuff. You should have been there. It was incredible. I think I think we're all we're all hoping to say that. And this, you know, that this season has just proved that um, F1 is stronger than it's ever been. You just still can't tell which way it's going to go, do you? Is Verstappen going to wipe Hamilton out, and then neither of them finish? Has Hamilton got the momentum? Is it going to come back? It's just like, what is happening? I mean, I've, I've been making jokes. Right. Been Absolutely, ma- I've been joking about her F ninety seven for the last twenty four hours. Mm. I think uh, yeah. I think Lewis might get the full and center experience at the next Grand Prix. <laughs> well, now you all seem, I say you all, I mean, I, a lot of people seem to be uh, worried that they're going to run into each other and it's going to decide the championship that way. Or, or, or maybe, well, that, I mean, they keep running into each other. That seems to be an occupational hazard of watching a Grand Prix lately, but... What I mean is, is that somebody is going to intentionally run into the other one. And normally it means Max running into Lewis. Um, I don't think Verstappen is going to want to do that because the FIA, of course, have previous when it comes to disqualifying drivers from the World Championship who intentionally run another driver into the, into the, uh, into the hedge to try and clinch the title. So I don't think they'll want to do that. And um, I don't think... You know, there's there's also the pressure of, you know, Honda. Honda aren't going to want to go out of Formula One in those circumstances either. Um, and Red Bull won't want the negative publicity. Um, it, I, I could be accused of being a Hamilton fanboy here, but, and I put this question to the floor, uh, can you think of an example where Lewis Hamilton genuinely, there was a genuine case of dirty driving from Lewis Hamilton in his career? Where he no. properly put somebody in the wall or off the track while battling wheel to wheel. I think the closest thing you've had to maybe unsportsmanlike conduct from Lewis was at Spa when he let Kimi pass and, and then he overtook him straight away. But that was before there was any clarification on the rules, wasn't it, about doing something like that? But that's the only thing that yeah. comes to my mind. Yeah, there was a year and where actually, him and Massa, that... him and Massa just kept him to find each other one year. I can't remember what year it was now. Mm. Yeah, but I can't right. think that any of that was deliberate. I remember Massa starting on him in the pen. That was quite funny. Oh, the infamous mm. "Don't touch me." Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was in Singapore, I think. Um, yeah, they definitely had a, a lot of. A lot of biffo going on there, as Australians would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to deify Lewis Hamilton, but you have to say, for for a man who's been world champion as often as he has, and a man who's won more Grand Prix than anybody else in the history of the sport, he has a remarkably clean driving record. Yeah, I mean, he's made mistakes. The two collisions with Albon. Um, you know, in fairly quick succession over 2019 and 2020. I say quick succession. Obviously, there were months between, but <laughs> within like three races. Yeah. Um, under very similar circumstances, but none of this, none of it seemed deliberate. You know, there was no, I, there was no deliberate attempt. I can't think of a, of a deliberate attempt where Lewis Hamilton has gone. 
you know what, I think I'll put you in the wall or I think I'll put you off the circuit or I'm definitely going to block you here because I know that you're faster than me. Yeah. Uh, and Max, I mean, God love him. He is so exciting. But there are times when you think, you might want to tone it down a bit, Max. I mean, <laughs> just throwing it up the inside there when there's already two cars there. I mean that that move they put he put on um, Ocon and Hamilton at the restart was I mean it, 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 it's so very max but very very high risk high reward and I don't think uh, uh, the thing is is I I I'm sure Lewis Hamilton is perfectly capable of thinking in those same circumstances I could get that I could do that too but Hamilton's too wily and too experienced and he just thinks mm, if it doesn't work I'm gonna completely i could compromise at best i could compromise my race at worst i'll be out mm. and i think hamilton's very very good at judging what's an acceptable risk that's why i i said at silverstone when they collided that was that that crash started on saturday because at the in the sprint at the same circumstances came out hamilton was towing verstappen heading towards cops corner and he went to the outside and it didn't work. Verstappen kept yeah. the lead. And then he spent the whole rest of the sprint stuck in his dirty air. So when the same circumstances manifested on Sunday in the Grand Prix, Hamilton went to the inside and he kept it in there because he knew this is the win right here. If I get stuck behind Max again for another 20 laps like I did yesterday, it's over. My tires won't last. I'm going to get understeer, blah, blah, blah. It's now. Now is the moment where we go aggressive. And unfortunately, they collided. But if you look at it, if you, if you itemize the events chronologically, you realize that's, that's how we got there. So Lewis was still going through it and thinking, if I get that chance, I'm going to the inside and I'm staying there and I've got to make it work. So it's a very rare instance where Lewis got super aggressive, but you can see the thinking behind it. Whereas Max will just say, oh, I'll just stick it up the inside and we'll have a go here every time. Um, and it makes it brilliant to watch but also can make him slightly flawed when it all goes a bit wrong, as we saw in Jeddah. I still think that, especially that um, where Max uh, sort of cut the, uh, cut the corner and cut right in front of Hamilton, I think there was a couple of instances where Max didn't particularly mind the idea of neither car finishing and going to the next race with a nine-point lead. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been so bad for him, would it? Um but then there was a point in the race when he was winning and it looked like he might be, uh, what, 15 points in the lead at least. Mm -hmm. So I mean, the swing is so massive. He could, have, he could have been leading by 15 points had they finished the other way around. Instead, the championship is, the points are tied. Uh, the championship itself is not tied, but the points are tied. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's funny. It's only happened once before, 1974, with Emerson Fittipaldi and Clay Regazzoni. And, and yet that championship finale is is not particularly well remembered it, it's 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 sort of i mean even i had to think has that has have they ever been tied on points going into the last race before i can't really think of an example um so i had to actually do a deep dive to find it um so i hope i hope we get a championship finale that's befitting of this season because it's just been the most exciting on track and off track season that I can remember. It, it, yeah. 
If only they could all be like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think this has been one of the best seasons in 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 the sports in in the memory you know since I've been watching. Anyway, it's 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 been absolutely. You know, as you say, every race, you just don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's going to, you know, pendulum going to swing one way. And then when you think it's going that way, it comes totally back the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been that way all season. Uh, I do think you're a little bit lenient with uh, with your description of uh, of Max's driving, though, Sean. I have to be honest. I think he, I, I think I would go um, a little bit further. I don't know if you heard Martin Brundle's words after the race yesterday, on the uh, on the broadcast, but he he said that it, Max had gone over the line a little, and it was a bit too much today. And uh, I think that's probably the most diplomatic way of saying Max drove like a twat for most of that race. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you think I'm sad think that case Brundle didn't say twat? Uh, do you think there's a case we made because Max is always on the edge, you know, and when then when something like this happens, and you, you know, like sometimes you watch Lewis and he he just finds that extra bit to do something, but when you're already always on the edge, that means when you have to try and find that extra bit to do something, you have to go over over the line. Uh, what? Well, that Max is always driving at 100%. Yeah, normally, he's, he, yeah, yeah, he's always at 100%. So when he has to find something extra to fight to do to do a little it's bit mistakes. more, it's well, or, or it's plain fucking bad driving. Well, I, I think it, it's, I, I don't think it's necessarily that cerebral. It could just be, you know, Max has an inferior car and he's driving, having to drive the wheels off it in a way that Lewis doesn't have to. You know, it could be he's over he's overcompensating for the deficiency of the car. We don't, you know, because Sergio Perez has not been as competitive as Valtteri Bottas this year. So, yeah, it, it could just be that. Um, it, it's a philosophical difference, as I said. You know, Max has a great tendency to see a gap and think, stick it up there and let's see what happens. Whereas Lewis will think, no, now's not the time. Bide your time. We've got laps. We've got. We're going to have DRS zones. Let's think about it a little bit more, a little bit more cunning, a little bit more Alan Frost. Um, whereas Max, I, I mean, I keep, I always make the Gilles Villeneuve reference and some people flame me on Twitter because they say, oh, he's, he's nothing like Gilles Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve was the fairest racer. And that's true. I, you know, you, I, I, I <laughs> stand by the clanking noise you hear is a massive name drop. I once <laughs> had a conversation with, with Mario Andretti on the subject. Um, and and the thing that Mario said was he racing Gilles, you always knew it was going to be fair racing. It was Gilles never going to do anything dirty. You know, he be the toughest bastard to pass, but always fair. And you know, I would, I would never compare Max Verstappen and Gilles Villeneuve in that philosophy. But in terms of just the excitement they bring, I mean, think about what this championship would be if Max Verstappen was not in it. It'd be another Lewis Hamilton yawn fest. And, and Verstappen has absolutely illuminated this year and made Lewis have to drive 10 tenths where previously he would have been cruising. That, I mean, right from the first race, Bahrain, when they were battling for that win, you were like, wow, Hamilton won that race, but he absolutely had to drive to the limit of his abilities to get it. And that, you know, so he's brought, Max has brought the best out in Lewis as well. And if, if, if Hamilton wins this championship, well, if Max wins this championship, it's great because he's knocked the champion off his perch. And if, if yeah. Lewis wins the championship, it's great because Lewis, of all these titles he's won, this is the sweetest, this is the greatest 
championship success and to come so late in his career when he's won all these other championships and you think, wow, that eighth title was the best. Yeah. It was better than all most of the other ones. And also he'd stand out there by himself as well. He'd be the only man on eight titles. And that you know, that yeah. there's no arguments then when it comes to Lewis Hamilton. No. Statistically and no, at least. And no no and, and no one could argue like, oh well, he just had the best car. Uh, yeah, he also had Max Verstappen buzzing around him almost every week, um, and he spent <laughs> yeah. and he spent most most of the championship in second place. Um, uh, yeah, if it, it, it doesn't matter which driver wins it, it, it will still be incredible, you know. And 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 Verstappen, yeah, Verstappen maybe he's been a bit unscrupulous. He will still be a worthy champion, you know. His numbers are still great. He's easily led by far the most number of laps. Uh, in Formula One this year, um, and if Lewis wins it, and it isn't, it wasn't often I would say this, but if Lewis wins it, it's kind of a bit of an underdog victory because that the car didn't seem to be all put together until lately, and now suddenly they've they've figured it all out and he's won three in a row for the first time. So, you know, yeah, I think Mercedes have even used the term super diva about the car in the last week or so. <clears throat> yeah. They, well, if they I could take... What's happened is they they unlocked. Sorry to interrupt. They they unlocked something in that car before Monza, because I, I had a I had a statistic. Um, let me let me consult my notes here because I want to get my numbers just right. Um, there's an extraordinary statistic. Um, I say extraordinary. I wrote it, so I, of course it's extraordinary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, there is an extraordinary statistic in the notes, which I don't know if it made it to where. I don't know if Crofty said it or anybody else for that matter. Um, but basically, up to Monza, um, Mercedes weren't very competitive in qualifying. Uh, it's on this. It's going to be on this page somewhere. Just talk amongst yourselves for a second. What's the weather like in, in Great Britain right now? Is it good? Got a yeah, named right. storm. <laughs> yeah, we've got a named storm on the way, so it's not the best. It's not ideal. But, um <laughs> Is it, is it called Hurricane Verstappen, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Storm Barrow, I think it's called. Uh, I'm guessing well, it was named by the Irish Met Service. According to the news yes. earlier, yes, it was. Ah, there we go. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, well, I can't seem to find the statistic I'm looking for here. I'm grasping at straws. But the, 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 the gist of it was this. Up until Monza... Um, Mercedes had oh here it is I've just found it uh, and I'll read it I'll read it to you verbatim as I prepared it for the broadcasters it goes like this there has been a conspicuous jump in Mercedes qualifying pace from the Italian Grand Prix onwards in the first thirteen rounds prior to Monza Mercedes were only quickest in twelve of the thirty nine qualifying segments Q one Q two Q three which equates to just thirty one percent of the time they they were quickest in the first thirteen rounds thirty one percent. From Monza onwards, those numbers change to leading 17 out of 21 segments, 81%. So they suddenly went from being quickest in 31% of those segments to quickest in 81% of those segments. So from Monza since, they've, they've suddenly tipped it to being the best team. And so they found something there. And, of course, Red Bull are convinced that it's something hooky and not, not within the rules. Um, but they, they unlocked pace in that car that they could not get to before. It always astounds me when the teams manage to find something extra in the car, especially late on in the season when you know this this is the car that they 
this is the car that they designed they were they were pinning the hopes on for the year and it's like oh hang on why don't we try and do this the other way around then all of a sudden it's you're gaining a tenth but do you remember the the video that mercedes put out uh, very early possibly even before the season started uh, explaining it was james allison explaining uh, all the aero changes and how much percentage loss in aero that there was. It's probably still on YouTube. Um, and it was um, he was going over the car and he said, well, we've had to trim this bit of floor. We can't use these any anymore. This bit has to look like this. And we think it's going to lose us somewhere in the region of, I think he said, 10 to 12% downforce. So, but w- what we're looking at is throughout the season, bringing updates, which means that we'll have recouped all of that and perhaps then some by the end of the season. Well, if... Um, going by those numbers, yes, mm-hmm. yes, they have. Yeah, it, it, yeah. You know, the the science the science of aerodynamics just it it just amazes me how um, how they can find extra time just by effectively moving one piece of carbon fiber half a centimeter. <laughs> Air bending, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to have these. We're going to have these 2022 cars that was, you know, initially they're supposed to be just horrible and you know six seconds slower. And now, when I was in Austin, I was talking to somebody and they were telling me that their their simulation said, "Well, right now we're we're only half a second slower than than we are in 2021 car." Crazy. I thought, wow. By the time we get round to actual 2022, you're going to be quicker. I don't even want to think about next season at the moment. I don't know about anyone else. No. <laughs> I think there's still no, a lot to, I, lot to be I done don't. this season, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's wh- so weird, isn't it? This was supposed to be the throwaway year. You know, this was supposed to be the, the year where we were just treading water, waiting for the new rules, and look what we've got. Yeah. <laughs> the half step well, you know, with you, the slight aero that. change. You say that, but of course that's what 1988 was, when McLaren, the, Prost, the first Prost Center season at McLaren, that was a throwaway year because it was supposed to be a restrictive year for the turbos. The four turbos were banned and we moved completely to normally aspirated cars in 89. So it was a stopgap year. And that's why Ferrari just updated their 87 car. Um, Benetton just put a non-turbo version of their 87 car together. Um, Williams didn't have a turbo, so they were kind of compromised. Um, and Lotus, up, Lotus updated their car and took the active suspension off. They said, there you go, that'll do. Because um, they were all getting ready for 89. And McLaren was the only team to design a completely new car for 88. It was only run in 88, could not run in 89. Um, and then we got that amazing season, Prost Senna, um, when they shared the 15 out of the 16 wins. Maybe throwaway years aren't such a bad idea in F1. <laughs> no, we should, have throwaway, we should throw away every year. <laughs> right, we want the new 2023 regulations published as soon as possible. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because we had we've, we've had re, you know recent seasons, twenty twenty sixteen notwithstanding, where Hamilton's just been cruising to the championship from around round twelve onwards, to the point where Hamilton's won seven world titles. He's never won a championship when he's been trailing with um, six rounds or less remaining. He's never won a championship from the back like this. He's always been whenever he's won the championship, he's always been the leader, the favourite whatever you want to call it, um, going into uh, the deciding race. So, um, you know, that's another thing, is that he's got, he's got to chase the game. 
you know, previously he's usually on a cruise by now. I mean, usually he's won it. Usually he's won it by Mexico. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So to go to the last round, um, first time since 2016, he didn't win it then, of course. So it's uh, it's by no means by no means a, a foregone conclusion that Hamilton would win in Abu Dhabi. God, we've even got a preview of that so far. Um, <laughs> right, show. I mean, there, there are another eighteen drivers um, that did take part. Uh, I suppose we should really sort of talk about everything, um, everything outside the top two that happened. Um, Haas is going to be particularly quick. Well, yeah, when you say there were eighteen driver or eighteen other drivers who took part, also Haas. All right, there were six, sixteen drivers that took part and uh, and Haas. So it was actually Mick Schumacher that kicked everything off with the first um, walling of a car. And from yeah. that, from then on, all hell broke loose. Um, yeah, well, it's like, the, it's like the old NASCAR saying, cautions breed cautions. It was all going well until it wasn't. <laughs> and, Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, it really kicked off after that. I mean, Haas, there's not really much to say. Slow, off the pace. Um, Mazepin, from, well, what, from what I could see, not I'm... at fault for his crash. No, Mazepin, I think Mazepin really had a, a very unlucky weekend because he had that incredible near miss with Lewis in FP3, I think it was. Um, yeah. When he came barreling around the corner and Lewis was dawdling and Lewis hadn't been told by his team that Mazepin was on the way and they just missed an, uh, what, what Martin Brundle always euphemistically terms an, air, an airplane crash. Uh, so there was that and then the race itself where he just ran into the back of... Uh, uh, Russell. Who, who was it? Russell, thank you. Yes, thank yeah, you. George Russell. Sorry. Who was I'm, who dying, was sl- with jet li- I'm dying with jet lag. <laughs> Sorry, my not Russell, who of course was slowing to avoid the crash that was going on in front of him. Right, so it was just dominoes falling at that point. Oh, excuse me. There you go. The first three legs, four wheels yawn there of uh, the 2021 season. <laughs> it, is half past, it is half past midnight and uh, I had an 11-hour time change coming from California to get to Jeddah. It's really catching up with me now. Oh, dear. We will try and get through this as quick as we can for you tonight, Sean. No, I tell you what we need. We need to get to who's the total shunt. That's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> Um, moving on to Williams, Russell, we've sort of already touched on because... Because Mazepin touched on him. Touched on him in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a private place. Um, Latifi in 12th, um, I, I, you didn't really notice him, but then again, you couldn't take your eyes off the front too. It's very hard. We're, we're, giving, away, we're giving 18 Giovinazzi participation awards here. <laughs> well, Latifi right. must have done really well because he finished the race in 12th place, which for Williams is a pretty good result. I think he just had a clean race. I think that was about all there was to it. Everyone behind him, I think, had some kind of skirmish. Yeah. Well, I call I call Latifi Steady Eddie because that's what he is. He never does anything particularly dumb, but he also doesn't get the big headline results that George Russell does. You know, putting the car on the front row, for instance. Um, so he just he, he is Steady Eddie. Like he, he's the guy you want if you want to, if you want somebody to go around. Give us a decent lap time and bring the car back all in one piece, uh, and that's it. Well, that's what he did here. He kept his head down and kept out of trouble and, and got a pretty good result. Of course, the the big thing for, at the track was was there was the first race since Sir Frank died, and 
uh, as you as you're well aware, all of the cars carried Frank Williams. The the the, the logo of the original Frank Williams racing cars was started in 1969, yeah. and just deviating from the topic slightly for a second, I've always found it a bit baffling that they didn't make more a, a bigger deal. Williams Grand Prix Engineering never made a big deal of Frank's past as a team owner. But it was he was in Formula One for eight seasons before that, and he'd been on the podium three times as a team owner at Frank Williams Racing Cars. But they always get discounted from the Williams Heritage stuff. And I always think that's a bit of a shame because, I mean, they were legitimate results. They weren't. It wasn't like he, you know, it, there's any sort of creative accountancy involved in them. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was good to see that that original logo on there. I've, I've got to admit, I'd, I'd forgotten that was a thing. Um, but was every, I think every team was carrying it, wasn't weren't they this weekend? Yes, yeah. Every, yeah. every team had that had that on the car. In fact, I was going to go. I was going to ask Williams um, for uh, some of those stickers because I'd love to put them on my laptop because Williams was my team growing up, and uh, I can't think I can't think of a better homage to the great man than to put his name on my uh, on, on my mobile work desk here. Um, <laughs> Because uh, I probably owe a lot of my enthusiasm for the sport to Frank Williams. I mean, to, to be honest, any, anyone who grew up watching F1 during the 80s and 90s, I think, uh, would be pretty much the same. Or certainly, certainly yeah, anyone, wa- lost, anyone watching lost... it in Britain. <laughs> we, and yeah, we've lost... The FW14 you know, was, the, was the car that got me fully involved in Formula One. Right. And we've lost, we, we lost two... Two of the sort of holy trinity of, you know, UK-focused F1 interest in the 80s and the 90s, Frank Williams and Murray Walker, with only yeah. now Nigel Mansell remaining of that holy trinity of which I, I speak. Um, but Frank always seemed to be... You know, I mean, you hate to say... I don't like to say people seem like they're indestructible. But I mean, Frank actually, literally put that to the test, and and still came back and won world championships. And didn't he didn't see being in a wheelchair as being disability? He he could still he achieved more after he was um, uh, paralyzed than he did before. Yeah, which is astonishing given the the amount of pressure, travel, and all that stuff. It's astonishing that he he managed that. He used to stay in hotels with hard floors, you know, like marble floors. I remember when we were in Indianapolis one year, 04, I think it was, he was staying in our hotel. And at the end of qualifying, we were all, not the end of qualifying, the end of the day of qualifying, we were all ensconced in the hotel bar going over last minute research, as you can well imagine. Um, and Frank was in the lobby and the guy who sort of was Frank's PA um, wheeled him into the lobby and then left him there. And then Frank started wheeling himself back and forth up and down the lobby. He'd go up to the check-in desk and turn around and then he'd wheel himself back down towards the main entrance and then back mm-hmm. around again. Well, it turns out that Frank did that to get exercise. And he would always stipulate, I want to stay in a hotel that has hard flooring because I can't push the wheelchair through carpet. Okay. 
Yeah, that that makes sense. That's a testament to his because um, he used to run, didn't he, quite a lot before his accident. I mean, it was a testament that he tried to keep he up did. his uh, exercise regime. Um, yes, yes, and then, you know, and then that's even post accident. The fantastic. You, if you must listen to this, if you have, have you listened to the, the Beyond the Grid with Patrick Head that he did with Tom Clarkson recently? Um, many episodes. No, I haven't, I haven't, no, I haven't got to catch one. up. Well, yeah, I was going to say, clear your schedule. Go and listen to Patrick Head on Beyond the Grid. It is brilliant, as you would imagine it would be with Patrick Head, because he's just one of the great, most candid people you'll listen to. Um, where he tells that great story of there's a photo, there's a famous photograph of Frank Williams running outside of the Grand Prix Engineering factory in Didcot, and he's with Alan Jones. Now, Alan Jones mm-hmm. is in a tracksuit, and and so's Frank. Uh, as Patrick tells the story, he said, I'm, I, I, I'm pretty certain that Frank and Alan went out there together. The photograph was taken. And no sooner was the photograph taken than Alan did a U-turn and ran straight back into the factory because he was definitely not going to go out there and run. <laughs> I can, I can empathise with Alan Jones. He's always been one of my favourite drivers for many reasons, including the lack of exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, where are we next? Alfa Romeo. Um, Kimi in 15th had his race ruined by a bad pit stop, which didn't really get to see all that much I don't much think of. driving into Vessel helped either. And there was uh, there was that as well. A very un-Kimi-like move. Well, you say that, but of course, Vettel and Raikkonen collided on the last half of the Austrian Grand Prix as well. They're just, uh, they're just getting their long goodbyes in order by repeatedly <laughs> running into each other. <laughs> Yeah, badminton partners, according to Sky TV as well. Pardon? Badminton partners, apparently, the two of them, uh, according to Sky oh. TV. Not, not just former teammates. Well, when I say badminton partners, they're not euphemistically referring to the fact that they keep hitting each other on the racetrack, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. I did. I did think it was. I did think it was cool that uh, Sebastian Vettel, by the way. I know we're gonna, not talking about Aston Martin yet. It was great that he did that thing with um, the, a karting race for women in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I should say, I, I for those who've never been to Saudi Arabia, that was my first time there. Jeddah is the, and the western side of Saudi Arabia is regarded, I'm told, as the most uh, most liberal of the liberal liberal part of Saudi Arabia. And I didn't see um, there's all you know you get all these horror stories in the West about nations that you don't go to very often about how there's no freedom and so on. I, I you know I can't judge that part, but I can say I saw a lot of Saudi natives at the racetrack, male and female. You know there wasn't it wasn't like the women were penned off somewhere or anything like that. And I in fact I walked along the Corniche the first night I was in Jeddah. And I saw lots of families um, picnic, picnicking together around the Corniche. It was like mothers, fathers, and children. It was all very, very um, pleasant, I must say. So, um, yeah, I don't want I don't want you to give the impression that it was a hostile atmosphere. Far from it. The welcome was fantastic too. From the airport, it, they were so well organised. Um, they really, really, really tried hard. So you know, you can you can have your own opinion about the government in a certain country, but the, the people were fantastic and it's well worth a visit. It's, it's always been on the list of countries that I want to try to get to, but it's, it's, it's not sort of at the, at the very top. 
because um, well, up until yesterday, it never had a Grand Prix. So places where places where I'm trying to get to usually got a racetrack involved. Now it's now it's it's in the top twenty three. Yeah. it's in the top twenty three. Yeah, um, uh, well, I mean, much, much as myself, you probably never thought of looking at where Jeddah was on the map until this weekend. Um, and I would say this, for those who've been to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, it's definitely not that. Jeddah is a long way behind in terms of its level of development. There's a lot of flat, empty uh, land in the, in the Jeddah area, and there's not a lot of skyscrapers. But it's definitely the vision they have for 2030 is, you know, they, they want to become a big player and, it, and, they, and they want a more westernized existence, which is what we have in the Emirates here right now. It's much, much closer to Western civilization than, than old school Middle Eastern. Um, and I think that's where they want to go with it. So if we stay in Jeddah, and of course, at the moment, we're not supposed to, but I don't see, I don't see why we would leave Jeddah when it looks so good on television. Um I think they want to grow it into the sort of the next big Middle Eastern powerhouse city. So this Grand Prix will have helped that. And it does have friendly cats, apparently. It does. <laughs> it does. I did. I did. I did. I did my bit for Saudi Arabian cat Twitter across the weekend. <laughs> um, saw some 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 fantastic suggestions for names like uh, Didier Peroni and Per Gasly. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, Lewis Mjowlton and uh, my personal favourite Kenny Scratcherson which is, you know you've really, you've really got to know your Formula 1 to know that one <laughs> Yeah, I did, I did send in Pertron Gasho but it didn't make the cut apparently oh. I, I jumped in with Fernando Alonso Very nice <laughs> Max, Max Verstappen <laughs> I mean, now, now, that, uh, now that you're in the UAE you're going to have to find the cats there we, you know, we need F F1 cat Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, you say I mean, F- I, I've been here plenty of times before, but I've never seen any cats in the UAE. Maybe that will change this week. But there's <laughs> cats everywhere in Saudi Arabia. It's remarkable. Like, you'd think they, you know, they'd, they'd have... If you were going to have an infestation of animals, you'd think they'd be like rats or something like that. But no, they're all tree cats and they're all like, they're all around the place. It's like a cattery. <laughs> they're all, you know, they're, and, then, and they're not, the cats aren't dirty. They're all very nice looking. You think, well, you all got like, groomers that you go to before you come out here and <laughs> <laughs> yeah Paul you said F1 cats but one of them made it onto the track in F2 because Ralph Boschung nearly clipped it but it seemed very unperturbed by the incident that is true <laughs> <laughs> yeah look um, who was it that tweeted that photo I think it was Ralph Boschung himself oh right that's yeah, yeah that's, that, that is one to look out for right on the apex of a corner as well from the looks of things <laughs> Um, right, going going back to um, where were we? Alpha Romeo. I'll get me. I'll mm-hmm. see. Okay, I'll then, see if myself, you say yeah. so. I'll see myself out. Um, Giovinazzi participated his way up to ninth. Um, but he had a good quality, Don't forget. Yeah, Giovinazzi yeah. had a great quality. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of coming good when it's a little bit too late because he's just been confirmed for Formula E next season. Um, he's not really impressed while he's been in F1, but I don't think you know he's not he's not had the machinery under him to impress. And I think Ferrari have now let him go, and that's why he's uh, cha- uh, changing series. But it's it, it's good to see him in the points. I I know Lee, you're not you're you've not been his biggest fan. I think you just call him dull. 
Yeah, he's just a bit of a non-event, isn't he? Yeah, he's there. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, like you say, he has. De- he's definitely picked it up towards the the arse end of his sort of Formula One tenure. But uh, you see, I, I know he hasn't had the car, but it's always been his t- whoever his teammate is has always looked much stronger. And I think I think this season more so than ever when uh, when he's racing alongside Kimi. Mm. Um, Aston Martin next. Uh, Vettel DNF'd, and I didn't see why. They may have explained it, but again, I was just too busy watching what was going on at the front. I think it was just the the sheer damage after the the Sonoda ring and then the Raikkonen. I think he just yes, car was fucked. Yeah, cause he did get, he did get yeah. a Sonoda up the jacks. He said and then... that on the radio, didn't he? Did he say fucked? Yeah, he said, Excellent. no, no, the car is, and bleeped. Fantastic. So I, I assumed he said... Then, I I, then I'm clearly speaking technical sense here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, come on, guys. Now the car is poop. <laughs> so, yeah. The car is poop. Well, yes. Yes, yes the car it is poop. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been. And um, Lance Stroll in 11th. Um, I don't think he, he, he wasn't really in and amongst it all weekend, was he? He clipped a few people though as well, didn't he? Didn't didn't Lance also lose um, numerous bits of bodywork? He had some debacle with Russell, didn't he? At the start, did he cut a corner and then not give a place back, and Russell got a bit shitty about it, and something happened there? I think they were I think they were under investigation at some point, but um, didn't didn't quite didn't quite see it. Um... So moving on further down, AlphaTauri, Pierre Gasly, um, sixth place. Another of his getting on with it performances. Yeah, in a quiet race, I say quiet race, in, 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 he was quiet in a race that was chaotic, um, where usually Gasly and drivers who sort of, you know, uh, drivers like Gasly, who were just outside the, you know, the usual proper sharp end point scorers, uh, can usually capitalise, but I'm you know, I'm surprised that the the race that we had brought about the podium that it did. But for Gasly to still finish sixth is another strong showing. Yeah, I mean he, he you know he beat both Ferraris. That's um, that is not shabby. Not at all. And Sonoda um, oh. just 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 goes wild. I mean, he was actually Again, on good for... quality for Sonoda, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was looking good that whole weekend and then just did a, a stupid thing that now puts him on eight penalty points on his licence. Yikes. Yeah. It's not good. Nobody's actually had a ban yet for hitting the uh, hitting the points limit, have they? Oh, people have got close. <laughs> Sean, you might, be the, you might be the one to answer this. Um, any idea who's who's been on the highest point, penalty points total? What right name? Uh, well, no. Sort of since they brought since they brought the penalty points in, who's been closest to getting a suspension? Um, I confess I don't know, and the reason is is because I don't tend to track it because it's it's complicated to administer. Because of course you can add points, but they also drop off. You know, mm-hmm. they get re- rescinded. They're taken off your license at a certain date in the future. So I, I always uh, have avoided tabulating that stuff in case I forget to remove someone else's penalty points at a given week and then excuse the data. I have a feeling Roman Grosjean came incredibly close to a race ban. I feel like Grosjean and Kvyat both got very close once upon a time. 
not to each other, although, well, they Pro- have done, I'm sure. At quite some, likely. Yeah. Probably. But, um, well, yeah. Well, actually, actually the, the last thing that happened to Roman Grosjean in Formula 1 was getting too close to Danny Kefir. Very true. Very Correct. true. Correct. Yes. Actually, yes. This was, yeah. Yeah. His last act in Formula 1. Yes. <laughs> With the wall. <laughs> we can laugh now, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, thankfully. Yeah. Um, right, skipping ahead to McLaren, um, Danny in fifth, Lando in tenth. Do you know what? I hardly noticed McLaren at all. It's very hard. Lando missed out. Yeah, they've, mm. they've had a crap time of it lately. I don't know what's the bottom's fallen out of their year. Um, I mean, they'd only scored, I think it was four points in the previous four races. Lando Norris's last four results now are tenth, tenth, ninth, and tenth. Um, and they they were lucky with Ricardo because the 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 way the safety car and the red flags worked, they, they shuffled him up the field, and uh, he held on there. He's he had a, I think it was it was three races without a point, which is if he'd gone four races without a point, he hadn't had that happen since he was at Toro Rosso. So. They'd have an especially poor time of it of late, but um, I mean, this is this is the sort of result. It's not going to help them. It's not enough to help them overhaul Ferrari, but you know, it's at least it's at least better than what they've done lately. Yeah, the only thing I can think with with teams who have fallen away a bit further towards uh, as as the year's gone on, and Aston Martin are guilty of this as well, is that. Uh, are these teams that have likely stopped developing uh, or, or bringing upgrades for 2021 and are fully focused on building new regulation cards for the following year? Not saying they'll get it right, but it's just they've, they've moved their resources. It's, it's, it's a theory. I mean, it's it certainly makes sense. It checks out chronologically. But, you, you know, the only people who truly know that was the engineering department. And I'll, I can't speculate to you because... I have no way of knowing whether that's actually true. No, of course. Certainly, it is as, pure, as, pure as, conjecture. It's as, it's as valid a theory as, as I mentioned about Mercedes taking a jump in performance at Monza and unlocking pace from their car. Well, you're not going to forget how to engineer your car, so it can only be a case of we've just decided not to put any more new bits on it because we're too busy with the new car. Yeah. Mm. Uh, next up, Ferrari, Sainz in 8th and Leclerc in 7th, once again finishing pretty much line of stern. Yeah, Is that the 4th race in a row? 3rd race in a row. 3rd race in a row. 3rd race. Let me check. I... <laughs> Let me just... Stats remember. off. I can't remember what I said. It was the 4th race in a row. Sorry, yes. 4th, yes. Races... <laughs> it was 3 races in a row going into it. It was the 4th time in a row that the two Ferraris finished one behind the other. Um... Which is remarkable consistency from the lads, but uh, not quite the result they were going for there, P7 and P8. But um, you can't deny you can't deny both drivers are very evenly matched. And no, nobody's getting a better car over the other one, and the car is finishing where it's finishing with them two, and nobody's getting anything extra out of it. You say prime candidates for the participation award there. <laughs> Ferrari yeah. have been all right this year. Let's be honest. Ferrari have done okay. Yeah, after um, yeah, they... after the struggles that they've had lately, self-inflicted. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they had 
Last year was the worst season since 1980, so they couldn't have had a second season that was as bad as that one. They would have had to try really, really hard to suck that bear two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but being wrong, of course, they, 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 could, they are capable of doing it. Of course. <laughs> they've, they've, got, they've, they've got things back on track this year. I suspect that the, 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 the Charlotte Claire pole positions, I mean, they seem so long ago. Uh, but yeah. you think think of it now. If that if it, if we get here, we're here in in well not in Abu Dhabi. I mean Dubai. But if we get to Abu Dhabi and Charles Leclerc takes pole, you'd be like, it's his third pole of the year. And you'd be like, what? He's been on pole twice before <laughs> because of course he didn't start in Monaco, so we didn't actually see him start on pole. And then in Baku, he got passed by Hamilton <clears throat> when Hamilton toe passed him at the end of the first lap, I think it was, or second lap. Yeah. So. Um, there is one lap pace in that Ferrari. It's just the second lap where it all tends to fall apart and beyond. <clears throat> Between the second and the fiftieth lap, it's not so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, though, and you know what? I, I I say that I say that. I mean, Carlos Sainz has been out in Q two like six times in the last thirteen races, and he scored in all thirteen of them. So it can be it, it, the car of the Ferrari. The pace of the Ferrari is obviously better. Race pace is, is, is better than the single lap pace. Funny because in Baku and Monaco it was the other way around. I mean, you said you said said they got the start and then the fall off, but the intro is a bit of smoke on the water that everyone knows. So that's the only bit people want to listen to. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm lost here. Um, um it, bad, bad. Just, just we'll we'll just let that one slide. Yes. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll move on to Alpine with um, Alonso in ninth. Well, let's see if uh, let's see if let's see if Paul can get a, a Bloodwin Pig reference in and see if uh, there are any listeners out there who recognise that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of them. I couldn't name any of their songs. <laughs> You've heard of the Bloods? Uh, I, I, I am aware. I am aware that Bloodwin Pig is a thing. I couldn't I couldn't tell you what they sounded right. like, but I'm guessing something like Emerson Lake and Palmer. There we go. Right. Or, or, um, or uh, you know, um, oh, I don't know, I can't. Rod, Jane and Freddie. <laughs> Whatever happened to the, Oh, there was that love triangle that made the papers with them. Anyway, we aren't seriously yeah, digressing. Let's move it right along. Move it right <laughs> yeah. Along. Let's, let's talk about Alonso. Lee, over to you. <laughs> wasn't great, was it? Um, well, the love triangle. Yeah, sorry, we're not, we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah, no, he did. I mean, I, I have no idea what, what was wrong with him there this weekend. He just didn't seem to quite be on the pace after his heroics the weekend before, did he? No, there the didn't, no, didn't seem but... to be anything too sort of special about what he was doing. He even spun, didn't he? Spun during the race, too. Yes, he yeah, did. Yeah, he went mm. sideways at one point. Yeah, I, I saw on Twitter someone saying that he um, he was talking about stopping for a, a attempt at the fastest lap, but uh, it wasn't points for Alonso. I'm I'm totally an idiot. I'm just looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, thirteenth for Alonso, awful. <laughs> I was going to say you've, <laughs> you've, you've written ninth twice Point for thirteenth. <laughs> yes, I've only I've only just noticed that you've written ninth. Put down uh, two cars in ninth. Place. That's why I sent it through to you a second time. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, I've opened the first one. That'll be why. So yes, thirteenth. Um, yeah, apparently he tried to do a stop for the fastest lap and it didn't pay off. Well, no, not if you're in thirteenth, it doesn't. I suppose it stopped. Would have stopped Hamilton getting it. You know, the the, the tactical point loss. <laughs> you know, Bottas with his well, it, it could two succeed. Extras. It could succeed from thirteenth, 
honestly, it could succeed from 13th. If you're dumping the battery over a single lap on new tyres, you could easily set the fastest lap. But you don't get the point um, for it. He must admit it. Well, he wouldn't. Um, and maybe that's why it ultimately didn't happen for whatever reason. But, um, you know, those, those who are in the lower echelons of the top 10 have every reason to do it. So, Yeah, true. And then... Um... I think possibly the most unpopular fourth place of the season because everyone thought it should have been third for Ocon. I was really excited for Ocon on the podium because I got the feeling there was going to be an atmosphere between Hamilton and Verstappen and then Ocon just delighted to be there and I wanted the contrast, but we were denied. Didn't Ocon, across the line, call it a fucking joke? (laughs) (laughs) It's good to hear drivers swearing as much as we do. Obviously, we don't get we don't get beeped as much. I mean, I, can't, yeah, I mean, you, know. you would be pretty annoyed, wouldn't you? You come out the last corner in third place, and then and then the guy in the much faster Mercedes just decides that's the that's the time he's going to pass you, and, and exactly just get the to the line thing, ahead of you. It was exactly the second time Bottas has taken a podium in that manner. He did it to Lance Stroll at Baku 2017 as well, yeah. at the line, yeah. passing him for second place. So Bottas, a fantastic guy. To completely mess up a fantastic story. (laughs) (laughs) And then we come to the top two teams. Um, Bottas with his third place on the line. Yeah. Um, Perez Perez DNF. In a wall. Yeah, Perez DNF because he was just... Although desperately tried not to. Yeah, although, um, what was it Leclerc said? I think he forgot I was there. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I I think it was a little bit. What what did everyone else think about that? Because I thought that it was kind of Perez's fault. Kind of, you can't squeeze somebody up against the wall and think that nothing's going to happen, either, either damage to you or or the, or the car behind. It just happened to try and squeeze Charles Leclerc's front wheels against the wall and ended up turning himself around. Yeah, it was a bit impatient, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean he had he had he had the faster car and there would have been opportunities to get the place late, um, later on, even in the same lap. But um... yeah, he just sort of drifted across, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. yeah, just careless. No comment. <laughs> um, it, it was it was kind of a oh my god, he's crashed. Um, so that leaves us with um, do we call them the protagonists? <laughs> I think we were watching the yeah the championship protagonists. We were watching them for ninety nine percent of the race, I think. <clears throat> there was there was a lot to watch. There was there was a lot to take in. Um, you know, Verstappen's move on the on the restart, diving diving down the inside of um, the corner with Ocon and Hamilton on the outside of him. Um, crazy move, but it's one of it. <clears throat> it's one of those that paid off. And then it did kind of, yeah. And then all hell's gonna break loose. Yeah, the, the the space was there, and he went for it, and that was that was one of his his better bits of driving, um, across the race. I think that's that's probably the the best way of putting it, because there was then some not better bits of driving, as you know, as we've already mentioned. Um, I mean, a 10-second ten, a ten penalty, which it's... And two penalty points. It's ticking the boxes. But 
was was that the right response? What what other response would you have gone for? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I mean, the other the other thing that I've got is I don't know if this, this is all because we're now getting the um, we're getting the race control um, messages on the TV coverage. But surely the um, making an offer of giving places back is that a new thing? Was that was that done before it was broadcast? You know, shouldn't race control be controlling the race? Yeah, yeah but, I think because it was under red flag, though, wasn't it? It was just like look, was, you can yeah, do this, time. or I'm referring it to the stewards. Look, it, it sounded odd. Mm. It sounded odd the way the way it was sort of broadcast out, and it sounded odd what uh, Massey said. But I, I think we're blowing this out of proportion a little bit because at the end of the day, Max Verstappen ended up giving the two places away, starting in third where he probably should have done so. It was a good way of resolving an issue. Mm. How often as well on team radio, before we heard the team radio to the FIA, how often did we hear drivers making reference to Charlie? I remember a very famous battle, yeah. one where he had a message for him. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, we've always yeah. we've always known there's been that communication with the race director. We We just don't know exactly what it sounded like before. Yeah, absolutely. And go, going on the going on the reports of what happened when um, when obviously the uh, the collision occurred, Hamilton was just in the process of being told that Max was going to give the place back, and it's it's got to be tricky for race control to get all the messages to the teams at the right point, and you know just just logistically, it's an it's, it just seems to be an absolute nightmare, and I think it's I think. Lee, you do have a point. It's been made worse this season by the fact that we get to hear edited highlights on the TV coverage. Mm. I don't like it. I don't. I don't like hearing the bickering. You know, it's it's nice hearing the back and forth between team and drivers, but I I don't need to hear the team bosses like complaining about people and like trying to get penalties and things like that. I th- I think it kind of spoils it. I don't know. It, it, it did give us the um, classic Michael Massey quote of "I never read my emails during a race." Sassy Massey. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I've got. I've, I've got to admit, it can't I, be an easy job, though, can it? I, I, I was going to say, I've got director to, is not going to be an easy job. I've got to admit, it's it's, it's going to be a thankless task. Um, uh, being on point here, it, it must be like herding cats. Because you know you're, you're trying to you're trying to keep um, ten ten teams or ten sporting directors informed and stop them from killing each other. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I yeah you're, you're always going to make somebody unhappy, aren't you? you know, in that job, you're not, you're not going to be able to keep everyone happy. Your decisions or whatever it is you're, you you decide to do or not do is always going to um, upset one party that's you know interested in what's happening, um, and a lot of people don't seem to realise that uh, you know Michael Massey is not the guy who makes the decisions when it comes to penalties etc. That's all referred to the stewards who uh, you know the different different stewards at every race if I'm if I'm not mistaken. It's just a squad rotation system, isn't it? They've got 
there's overlap from race to race, but the, it, it it's not the same four or five guys each time. I think there's, and they have a, a, a roster. That that. I forgot my point, mate. What was I going to say? We, we Must have been about really good. <laughs> yeah, it was a. Leave it with me. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, have, I'll have a eureka moment like five minutes from now. Like, <laughs> All right, yes. Right, now we now we've moved on from the subject. I remember what it was. Okay, carry on, carry on. Don't mind me. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Social media is is the devil at the at the best of times, but yeah, I I did feel like the FIA and and uh, Michael Mass in particular got a pretty hard rap from a lot of fans uh, for uh, indecision or or what they saw as poor decisions. But I've said it before: there's nothing uglier than than you know when it comes to a sport than the fans of a sport you know ag- so aggressively disagreeing with the decision makers you know in football when people are you know swearing at the referee on the tv in a pub you know it's just it's just the worst part about you know a particular sport any sport is when people are uh, you know so aggressive against the decision makers these people are put there for a reason um you might not like any decisions they make, but you do kind of have to respect them um, because that's the reason, you know, that that's why they're doing their job. They're there to make the decisions. Um, everybody, you know, everybody who's an armchair fan probably thinks they could do a better job of it. But the fact is you couldn't, otherwise you would be doing it. Yeah. We're all, uh, we're all armchair experts now. We need to study for degrees. We can, we can all get on Twitter and, and, and have all, a platform yeah. there instead. Technically, I'm on a sofa, not ten... an armchair. We can all do 10 minutes. If we all do 10 minutes on Google, we'll all be highly qualified, you know, virologists and epidemiologists. You know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We can do our own research. <laughs> exactly. And what the, the only flaw of that logic is what if your research is shit? <laughs> then you should then you shouldn't have looked it up using 5g because that's what's corrupted it well true <laughs> you know i always say I, I, when, I, when, when i meet people who are anti-vax and they say oh, I, I do your own research i say i am a researcher dipshit I, <laughs> and i know plenty of people i know plenty of people who are shit at research and that's why i have a job <laughs> next question <laughs> Talk, talking of um, talking of things flying through the air, how impressive did those drones look with the uh, with the circuit oh, I, map? I, I, I thought you were going to talk about the uh, debris from the Enzo Fittipaldi Teo Porcher Formula Two crash. Because oh no, a, a no. huge, <laughs> a huge. You were sorry. I, I genuinely thought that's where you were going because we were in panic. Club. A huge piece of debris launched itself probably twenty feet in the air and landed in the middle of the pit lane Jesus. while people were scattering. Uh, it was uh, no one saw it because everybody was focused on just seeing the crash. But um, yeah, a huge piece of debris came flying over the top of everybody, and it fortunately it landed where there wasn't somebody, but it, it went over people and between them. So that was lucky. Sorry. Yes. What well, were we talking about? <laughs> well, I was, I was just about to mention the drones, but for, uh, it's good to say that Fertipaldi has tweeted from hospital and uh, a broken heel and a slightly gashed eyebrow, yeah. I think. Mm. Yeah, he was very lucky because I, I saw the crash and 
um, I was from, I was watching it from the tails away shot. I was like, down. actually, Fittipaldi's starting grid slot was next to me. And um, I saw why he went over there because the, all the light panels were on the left-hand side, on the pit wall side, and they were all flashing yellow. So he went right, and there was no panels on the right, and there was no yellow flags on the right. So he naturally moved away from the light panels, uh, only to you know reveal the immobile Teo Porcher uh, sitting there with all the the, the lights, um, the rear lights on the car were were um, flashing very vigorously, you know, which is kind of like I don't know, I didn't know that happened on a car, on a Formula Two car, but it looks like when you stall it. Those lights are intentionally come on and flicker very violently, as if to say, "Don't hit me! Don't hit me! Don't hit me!" And unfortunately, in in Enzo Fittipaldi's case, because they did, and he just missed a head-on. Luckily, um, it was uh, it was almost head-on, but phew, tell you what, that was uh, that was that was scary to see right in front of my eyes because I, you know, we all know the Ricardo Paletti accident. In '82, and these cars are a lot stronger, but still, you yeah. don't want to run into the back of one that's stationary. You know, the the, the Billy Munger accident as well, another mm-hmm. good example. Mm, it's, yeah, uh, it's de- it was very, together. very, very, yeah. very, yeah, very scary, very scary. I'm glad everybody got out all right. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I was I was actually commenting on the um, on the drones, the uh, the drone display at the end with the uh, with the track map. Please don't tell me that was CGI and uh, edited on. No, I believe that was a real thing. I, I have to confess, we were knackered at the end, and we didn't bother going outside to look. <laughs> we just took it. We, we just took it as red. No one came back in and said, "Oh, it wasn't there. It was completely made up." So it, it must have been a real thing. <laughs> um, and then that, of course, just leaves us with uh, rock stars and wankers of the weekend. Where, where do you go? I mean, well, there's a few options, isn't there? Let's be honest. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go uncontroversial and go Ocon for a rock star. Kimmy for a rock star because on the grid, Martin Brundle asked him if he could have a word, a word, and Kimmy said yes and walked off. Yeah, <laughs> typical Kimmy. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Carried on walking. Gave him a word. Yeah, said, said yes and then shrugged and carried on walking. Yeah. <laughs> um, anybody, anyone else? Anyone else want to take one? I'm, I'm, I'm passing the book here. Max. Well, Ocon's a great, Ocon's a great shout on the, uh, the rock star. By the way, because uh, he really, yeah, you know, he yeah. was, an, he was an interloper up there in the championship battle in an Alpine. So good for him. So it, it was never going to hold the pace. But I was gutted for them. They didn't get that podium at the end. Yeah. Um, that was uh, that was harsh. Was it by a tenth? Because... Was about yeah, that... I mean, he was well. He was worth that podium. He, he hadn't fluked it. He had a really good day. So it was a bit sad for the for the for the lads and lasses at Alpine, who I know would have loved back to back podiums for the first time in eight years. Uh, what I got to see him do his uh, impression of Seb's "Well, I'm happy" from Monaco. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I would have been it too. Um, I suppose you have to, you have to say Max um, in the wanker column. I, I am yeah. putting him in there. Mm-hmm. Just his driving was it was. But as I said earlier, Martin Brundle said it was over the line, and he needs to look at his driving standards. I mean, he left the circuit and deliberately stopped Lewis Hamilton from using the circuit to get past him. Um. 
you know, I, I understand it. It's desperate times, desperate measures, but d- dirty drivers always look bad only on themselves. You know, like it, it, it very rarely reflects well if you drive dirty <laughs> all the yeah. time. Um, and I can't remember, and I, I, I do mean this, um, not in a total anti-Max Verstappen way, but I can't remember a single most dirty display by a single driver in a single race, as we saw yesterday. I, th- I thought it was way over the line, and it was it was all deliberate, in my personal opinion, which is very humble, of course. Those are big words. I'm I'm convinced. I, I I agree with Flood. I think the um the 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 move where he, he left the circuit and essentially Lewis had to properly back out of it to avoid a crash. I think he went into that move thinking, if we end up in a load of wheels here, I go to the next race with a nine point lead, knowing that with the long run pace, Mercedes looked like the team that if they could get into the lead. They just walk away with it, um, and I think when you when you look back at the like the head-on of Max and Lewis, it's well, the way Max looks in his mirrors as Lewis jinks out and he moves, and that's when he's broke. Um, I I think he was deliberately trying to take his front wing with him. Yeah, I've not well, I've not seen that shot yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I confess I I've, I've only I only saw it when it was live. I haven't seen it back because yeah, well, uh, yeah. No, and, and not 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 that I'm looking for any sympathy, but we had to get from Jeddah to Dubai, so I haven't been reviewing it. <laughs> yeah, no, ha- have a look at the like when you when you're looking at them head on because it was that's what did it for me was the fact that you could see Max looking in looking in his mirrors. And it was at, at that point uh, I was thinking to myself, if this if this is looked into, and it turns out that he's dabbed his brakes as well in the telemetry, I, I think it's a slam dunk when you when you put all those pieces together. That that's why I twith- yeah. tweeted at the time. I feel this was worse than what Schumacher did to Hill and uh, Jacques Villeneuve, just purely because I well, think it was a little. It, it was just a bit more. It felt more calculated. The well, I think also it's a lot more dangerous as well. You know, yeah. You get the brakes yeah. in an area where you're supposed to do 195 miles an hour. Yeah. It's very yeah. dangerous. Um, and it's I said, car in front. you know, I. Sorry, go on. Um, I, I was leaving a racetrack on Sunday night with a in an SUV packed with racing drivers. I was the only non-racing driver in the in the in the van, and I said to them, "So." Guys, what do you reckon then? Does anybody in here want us to defend Max Verstappen? And they all of them unanimously, a 100% vote was no, <laughs> no. It's like you don't, you don't act like that with single seaters. I mean, you can very, very quickly go to the scene of the accident if you're going to start pulling shit like that. Um, it's this. It's one thing doing it in poor Super Cup. The rate, you know, we're going slower and the wheels are covered. Quite another. When you slap on another 50 miles an hour on the top speed and remove the wheel covers, you know you can you can you can fly a long way. So, 
Um, yeah, they were unanimous. No one in the car defended Max. They said it's it's on him. Yeah, I agree. It's um, you know, as we said earlier, it'd be fantastic if Max wins his first title in 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 Abu Dhabi because wow, he's, you know, he's toppled the the guy who's won for the last four years in a row and seven in total. But yeah, you know, it's it, I, I get the feeling we're always going to look at this race as like yeah, but what if? You know, it's 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 gonna. This is gonna yeah. be like the the smu- If he wins a championship, this is the smudge on his championship, much like the 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 ninety four championship is always always darkened by the the Schumacher Hill incident. Um, when Schumacher did it again in ninety seven to Villeneuve, tried to deliberately run him off the road and it didn't work. Am I right in thinking that Schumacher was? accused of attempted murder by by somebody somebody tried to bring a lawsuit against him for that and yes he 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 was also um he was stripped of all of his points in the world championship if you statistically look at 1997 schumacher has zero points correct yeah he was i think there was a german man who tried to bring a case of uh, attempted manslaughter for that offense um which I think he got laughed out of court, but it was it was just somebody trying to make a name for themselves. But um, yeah, you are right. He was he was excluded from the championship standings, but the results of the individual races continued to stand. So there's a, a slight a slight legal difference there. For instance, Tyrrell were excluded from the 1984 World Championship in their entirety. They lost all of their results as well, and everybody moved up a position. The FIA didn't want to do that and make it too complicated, so they just said, right, we're just disqualifying you from the final championship standings but all the uh, results after that uh, exist so he still has all of his wins but if you look at the record books it says Heintal and Frenson the championship runner-up in 97 yeah so and you know when you when you look back that you know back what was that 24 years ago now yeah it, 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 Funny, it could actually... quite you know it could quite easily happen like now you know I, obviously, there's a different guard in in charge now, but I mean, if if driving continues like this and all they're getting is post race ten second penalties, then you know the threat of having you know being excluded from a championship when you could have won it is you know maybe that kind of deterrent needs to exist. Yeah. So- um, yeah. Well, that, that that deterrent still does exist, and I and I practically guarantee you that Stefano Domenicali, who of course has been a team principal before would probably have a quiet word with both of them and say, don't think we won't use the nuclear option if we feel like we have to, because you're bringing the sport into disrepute, winning the championship in that way. Yeah, I get, I get the feeling there's going to be two driver's briefings next week, one for um, all 20 and an extra one for just the two of them. <laughs> I just, I can't get out of my head that the this championship is going to end up in a heap because of a, a 50-50 move that Max pulls you know, it, it wouldn't be a Schumacher type incident, but just one of one of those moves where if if we come together, I'll win on win count back. Mm, no, I, I I I believe it when I see it because I'm convinced I'm convinced he'll be given every reminder that if you if you try and win the championship that way you might find by the time you get back to apart from a you haven't won the championship because the yeah. FIA might have said right well we're 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 already preparing the sanction and the sanction is we're giving you a 50 point penalty so you know congratulations lewis hamilton world champion 
and also congratulations to Mercedes who inherit the constructor title from Red Bull or whatever you know. Okay, I mean Mercedes is going to win this constructor title, but you know it, the, the the FIA I'm sure will make clear to them. Look, <laughs> if we think we are doing anything on purpose here, we will be down on your bollocks. Mm. <laughs> I do. I, I I I hope you're right. I have a funny feeling though that when the red mist descends on Max, that he he forgets briefings. I, I don't know. I, I I can't I can't see it. I can't see it happening. Then, it, then again, um, he gets it from his dad, doesn't he? Because Yoss wasn't exactly the uh, calmest and least crashy person on track. That's the thing. I don't think it's actually a conscious, deliberate thing to crash. I think there's just something in the the hard wiring of not being prepared to bail out of a move. Mm. Well, bear in mind, bear in mind what what Max is being criticised for. Incredible, just being in an absolute, total, and utter bastard is what we lionize it and center for. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's 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 one thing to say that's terrible behavior, but you have to apply it equally. And I've, I often, of course, I usually regularly get flamed on Twitter by people who put me to right, put me right on the subject of Ayat and Senna or our Lord and Savior Saint Ayat and peace be upon him. Um, <laughs> You put on Twitter the other day that we were in the year 2021 of our Lord Ayrton. Of our Lord Ayrton, yes. Um, who, of course, never, ever, you know, even even when he was running Alan Prost off the road at 160 miles an hour on purpose, what he was trying to do was guide Alan Prost into the gravel slowly where there were some soft kittens. <laughs> ah, so in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> he was well ahead of his time. <laughs> Look, we normally we'd normally do predictions for the next race. Um, I just don't feel like I can. I don't know about anybody else. No, no. I think I just gave no, one. I, what, what I'd say, I'd say my my prediction for Abu Dhabi is this, and it's not a result prediction. It is a attention prediction, and that is that. We could have a situation where you know one car is ahead of the other, and there's a late safety car or something like that, and then one decides to go for new tires and one doesn't, and then that influences the outcome of the championship. You know, you could have a situation where one team has to roll the dice to win the championship. So it it could be something as incredible as that, um, and we've seen it. You know, we've seen. Verstappen win at Paul Ricard with an extra pit stop. We've seen Hamilton win the Hungara ring with an extra pit stop. Not this season, but yeah, a couple of seasons ago. Um, it, it, it could come down to that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so exciting. And the, and the thing is, is, both of them have dominated races at Abu Dhabi before. They've both led races from start to finish in Abu Dhabi. So there isn't even that to go on. And we've got a new layout. So there isn't, a form, there isn't even a form guide. It, it's no cool. new layout looks cool though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad they finally they did something about it because it, the, the thing is, Yasmin, always one of my this is one of my absolute favorite races to go to. It is absolutely amazing to be there in person and see this incredible venue of you know money is no object. We've got more money than cents, pretty much. <laughs> we can make we can build anything we want here, and. For years, I said, look, you can build anything you want. I hope you kept the receipt because I want my money back because this is a terrible racetrack. Um, 
I still, and, I still think the hotel looks like a giant razor. It does look like a giant razor. That's accurate. Um, well, yeah, I suppose it does. <laughs> anyway, um, the good, the good news is, is they, they've actually listened now and they've said, right, you're right. We are changing it because it, it, it needs to be changed. The races are usually boring. When I've been to Abu Dhabi before, it's always been a fantastic weekend, and then the race starts. And then you just think, right, let's just get this out of the way, and then we can get back to what we were doing before. It's, it's, it's an afterthought. This definitely won't be an afterthought this time. <laughs> now I, you know, they've, they've, got this, they've got this brand new, new and improved layout, and they've got this absolute box office gold, the finale of this championship that we'll always be talking about from... from a hundred years from now, if Formula One is still going, we'll still talk about this one as one of the best. So let's hope the race is, the race lives up to that expectation. But it will be tension filled right to the end. Definitely, I do. I do have one. It's it's more a hope than a prediction that by Sunday evening, Ron Howard is pra- has practically completed the first draft of his next F one movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we were doing podiums. It would be one extreme or the other. It's either going to be like Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas in any configuration order-wise, or it's going to be like a Sonoda, Latifi, Alonso podium or something wild. <laughs> it will. It, it's not going. It's going to be one one extreme or the other. Yeah, I think one of the championship protagonists, and I don't know which one, is not going to finish the race. Yeah, um, I'm the same, but I. I just couldn't call it <laughs> if you do want to call it go to the website go to the uh, game section and the uh, 2021 prediction league um put in your top three your poll fastest lap is there going to be a safety car and how many dnfs at least you don't have to predict who and uh, we'll see how that plays out <laughs> it just feels like it's destiny that something crazy has to happen, doesn't it? Um, it I don't know, being Abu Dhabi, there's always a chance it would be just a bit of a snooze fest. As I said before, you had a few of them, but you know, I, I even argue that the 2010 World Championship, which went down to Abu Dhabi with four drivers that could win it, is the only time we've ever had a championship decided with four drivers in the equation. And that race, that 2010 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, was absolutely terrible. A bore fest from start to finish, pretty much. Um, it was just Vettel leading and then Alonso getting trapped behind Vitaly Petrov and they couldn't pass him for the rest of the day. So that's what made the championship. I hope it's a little bit better than that. And given the way these two are smacking the crap out of each other, I expect it to be. Yeah, I mean, that's what we want, really, isn't it? Regardless of who it is, we want Max and Lewis first and second on the grid for the start of the race and then just do what they've been doing all year, which is leave the rest of the pack and sort it out amongst themselves 10 seconds down right. the road. Uh, can you imagine what it's going to be like if we get to five laps to go and you know Lewis is in DRS range on <gasps> Max Verstappen? And it's yeah. like, okay, this is it. This is, this is, the, this is what the whole year has been about, passing to win the championship. Yep. It it sounds like a movie, not not real sport. Yeah, I have been known to stand up at exciting points during races, or you know, towards the end of an exciting race, I will. I I can't physically sit down. I have to stand up. Uh, <laughs> I, I might have I to stand up for the whole. Was talking. 
<laughs> I have to stand up. I might have to stand up for the whole of Abu Dhabi. <laughs> right. I mean, it happened. It, it happened somewhat to me in 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 Jeddah yesterday. Because normally, when I'm doing a race, because I'm, I'm doing stats for the broadcasters, I'm sitting in a position not dissimilar to the engineers on the pit wall. So it's all very calm and collected. And I've got a notepad and all that stuff, and I try and keep my emotions in check because I've got to keep an eye on things because I need to tell the broadcasters. You know, oh, let's make sure we mention this. Uh, when it all started kicking off yesterday, I, 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 I was out of my chair just as much as everybody else was. You know, I, I wasn't quite. I didn't quite give it. I didn't quite give it the full Toto Wolf with my Bose noise cancelling headphones, but it, it, it got. It definitely got spicy. Um, I tell you what might happen as well. One other thing that might happen is the two. The two of them might collide on the last lap and go off in the hedge, and then. You know, Ocon, whoever whoever the hell's in third place, ends up winning a race completely by surprise. And then we'll cut away to the infield and Verstappen and Hamilton are having a fight. And they're basically recreating the 1979 Daytona 500 in Formula One. And and the guys from Drive to Survive are there and they cannot believe their luck. And they're like, this is brilliant. We're going to have like 80 million people watching this thing on Netflix. Um And, and Liberty Media are going to be like, cha-ching. Thank you very much. I- I'm just sticking out there. If that happens, I feel Michael Massey should get immediately on the radio and say, look, whoever wins this wins the championship. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. <laughs> well, I still, I, still like my, I still like my concept of just putting Max and Lewis on the podium with David Croft, and David Croft just says, the winner of the 2021 FIA Formula One cha- World Championship is... And how on perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Going to be revealed right after this ad break. <laughs> Would you like a total shunt or two, Sean? Yeah, so give us two then. It's past my bedtime here. It's one thirty-six. Right, Lee. I, Lee, I've got I've got one uh, lined up as well. So if you want to do yours first, good stuff, mate. I've got it here. Uh, this one was sent in by is it Cody Piscatelli? Oh yeah, regular yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Reg- regular listener and occasional shuntist as well. Yeah, he was. I think on you a... mean. Do you mean? Don't you mean Corey Pesatoro? <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that his name? Isn't he the, the he's the uh, I, I, I'll say viol, violin player, the accordion player. That was it. I think he played the accordion. If this um, total shunt is that guy, <laughs> yeah. we never haven't had an accordion player before. I don't think. No, no, it does have to be vaguely related to motorsport. <laughs> <laughs> I was born. Yay! In 1972. Okay. Okay. So they're uh, younger than me, but then again, most people are. My first arrest involved breaking a man's skull. This could easily be Jos Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> it is Jos Verstappen. He was born in 72. I, I had to pay a fair $15,000 punishment uh, for my second violent attack. Is it, um, yeah. is it Joey Barton? <laughs> Found not guilty today, Joey Barton. Yeah, not guilty. Hey, well done, Joey. Nice one. <laughs> but you finally, you finally won something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, should we go with Jos Verstappen for this one? I mean, it sounds very much like Jos Verstappen. At the moment, it's nailed on your description so far. From my first arrest, we know he's been arrested a number of times. Yes. Number four. Okay. I I have um, both fought my father and fought alongside my father, uh, both of which I was arrested for. (laughs) Is it... Is it um is it Cliff Richard? <laughs> uh, I was arrested for assaulting my ex-wife when when I stalked her, slashed her to, uh, slashed the tires of her car, threatened her life, hit her while violating prior restraining orders. Sophie Cumpen legitimately has a restraining order against Jos Verstappen. Wait, wait, I got this. Uh, Eamon Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it might be Jesus Christ, given that he fought alongside and against his father. Yeah, I think he might have been born a little bit before 1972, though, the Jesus. (laughs) Born again, maybe, I don't know. He is is omnipotent. He can be born whenever he wishes. (laughs) Um, I ran over my 24-year-old girlfriend with my car... um, then fled the scene, was arrested for it, and charged with attempted murder, then married her. Yeah, he's definitely I'm been charged... i here. Jos Verstappen <laughs> has definitely been charged with attempted murder of someone he went on to marry. Well, it's not Brian Harvey from E17, seventeen is. because he ran over he himself. He ran over himself, yeah. Yeah. Whilst is trying this, to is. get a snack that he dropped. <laughs> I didn't it, know that. Yeah, he was, was trying to rescue a baked potato. What? <laughs> Baked potatoes are not head. worth rescuing. If it's on the road already, it's <laughs> fucked. Leave it there. Get another didn't baked he, potato. Didn't he, say, didn't he say that happened because he'd already eaten too many baked potatoes? Lad's got a problem. I, I feel like I feel like I feel like we're drifting. drifting <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. Do you not think this is helpful to the clue, Sean? <laughs> I, I don't think the Brian Harvey stuff is really helping us. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a guess, please. I'm I got, Brian is, it Harvey. Br- is it Brian Harvey? <laughs> <laughs> it's about the right age. <laughs> exactly. 1972. He'd have been 19 when they did House of Love. He'd be 17. Aside, 1992. Away aside from Harvey. running himself over with a car, do we know of any racing connection that Brian Harvey would have? <laughs> Ah, uh, that's that's where it no. all falls down. <laughs> I think it. I think we might have to stick with Yoss. Yeah. Um, I once punched my son in the head while at a test track, then later dropped him off and left him in the at the side of a road. <laughs> did he ever go and Did he ever go and get him? You know. Back and bring him home. Is he still by the side of the road? <laughs> that, sure, that Sean will remain a mystery. <laughs> oh, is it? Um, is it Perez's dad? Because Perez spent a long time standing at the side of the road yesterday. He did. No one picked him up. Um, number eight. I, I am known uh, as I am known as a hothead on the track, at home, in the club, and in the F1 pit lane. Well, he was a hothead in the pit lane, wasn't he, mm. when it when it when he caught fire? That is true. 
Number nine, I was the focus of one of the most famous F1 photographs of all time. When he was a hothead and caught fire. Better on fire. Mm. Yeah. And number ten, my son is a rather quick young Formula One driver. Can I just so point all out? All of his aggression comes from being left at the side of the road yeah, by his dad after being punched at a test track. <laughs> <laughs> Back Can I just say, when, when I said Yoss on the basis that someone had been arrested, I was joking. But... <laughs> when, when you said it, it when you said it, I, the, it I made went, well, perfect I mean, sense. Yoss was born in 72. It's Yoss. <laughs> I mean, let's be perfectly fucking honest here. Like, like yes, I'm Yoss Verstappen. We won. Um, yeah. Clue one to uh, one to seven. Uh, it's pretty fucking unreal, isn't it? <laughs> this takes us back to where does Max There's get it from? Now, your movie. now, funnily enough, I had, um, I had a tweet this afternoon from um, a friend of the podcast and friend of Sean's, Mike McPherson. Um, Hi, Mike. Oh, yes. Who asked for a shout out, so there it is. Uh, who actually said, interesting, no one has addressed the parallels between Max and Nick, uh, Nico in pursuit of their first championship, namely the pressure their fathers put on them as they lift the glory days vicariously through their sons. I think that Jos Verstappen shunt kind of sums a lot of it up. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> There's a lot I, of I, anger I refute, there, isn't there? <laughs> I, refute, I refute the idea, I refute the idea that uh, Keke put pressure on Nico. Um, in fact, it, I, I was always told it was quite the opposite. It, it, Keki was staying completely out of the way. Um, there's a great story uh, about when the time uh, Nelson PK, Nelson Angelo PK, uh, and Nico Rosberg first tested for Williams, which I think was in 04, before even Nico won the GP2 title. And it was in Barcelona, the test was in Barcelona, as I recall. And Nelson Senior and Keki both showed up as proud dads and everything, and ex-Williams drivers. So, you know, they're members of the family. And the story goes that Nelson Piquet could not get out of his son's way, basically. He, he was, like, getting into everything. He wanted to know every last detail. Um, uh, whereas, con- in contrast to that, Keki Rosberg, all he did was he, he asked the team, could you give me a headset? Yeah, okay, here you go. Put the headset on, and he went and sat in the main grandstand. So he didn't even he wasn't even on the same side as a racetrack as as um, his son was, but he was there and just listening to the radio traffic. So that's a quite a contrast in in um, the, in parenting styles between the two of them. It's probably just as well Yoss and Max weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't so, yeah, I didn't think so it, it was Yoss Verstappen then. It, it was it was Jos Verstappen. I I do have another shunt, and okay. I can I can guarantee there are no arrests in this one. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, there, there might be an arrest while we guess. <laughs> um, this one was sent in by. Oh, I'm dreading this. Um, it's one of those Irish names. Oh, fantastic! Which um, spell it out. C a o i m h g h i n. Which I think is Keevan. I think it is just Keevan. a collection of letters. Yeah, yeah um, I think it's Keevan. Yeah, yeah, Keevan uh, so. McPartridge, um, otherwise otherwise known as Sid. <laughs> well, CM. We'll just call him CM yeah. for now. Right. I was born in 1953. Yep. Nigel Mansell. <laughs> <laughs> 
I began my single-seater racing career in Formula Ford in 1974. And the third clue, I want to guess after this one, for a time I lived and travelled in a converted school bus that doubled as a garage for my race car. <laughs> Hmm. Converted school bus feels like a very American thing. So who would be that American? I don't know. That's 100% of the wisdom I've got to offer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to skip this guess and move on? I I, I have nothing. Mm. Okay, my first. I already uh, said Nigel Mansell. You have said Nigel Mansell. We'll take that. As, we'll take that as guess number one. Uh, my first championship F1 drive was with Hesketh, although I failed to qualify for any races. After five seasons, sixty-four races, and a total of fifteen championship points, I left Formula One and moved to IndyCar, where I participated in seven seasons with twenty-one top ten finishes. Oh boy, I should know this. Yeah. Um... And uh, you got on, got another clue before you need to guess. So, despite a huge crash that left me with multiple breaks, fractures and burns, I continued racing for almost a decade afterwards. Um, now wait a second here. Uh, just give me, just recap me the, the last few clues there. Uh, first championship F1 drivers with Hesketh, uh, didn't qualify for any races. Did five seasons, 64 races, and got 15 championship points, and then seven seasons in IndyCar with 21 top 10 finishes. Um, and was there one more clue? Uh, despite a huge crash that left me with multiple breaks, fractures and burns, I continued racing for almost a decade afterwards. It's The answer is Derek David. We will bank that guess. I have competed in six Indy 500s, three Le Mans 24 hours. My highest placing in each was ninth and fourth, respectively. Uh, I have won the 12 hours of Sebring twice, and I hold the unusual distinction of driving both the first and second place cars in one of these victories. Uh, At 13 months, I hold the record for the shortest amount of time from being in Formula Ford to being in F1. And in my first Monaco Grand Prix, I shunted badly and was out on the first lap. In my third Monaco Grand Prix, I came within a nats of winning but retired on the final lap. Congratulations, Sean. It is Derek Daly. <laughs> is that Connor's thank you, dad? Thank you, thank you. And uh, the spaffer was, I am Irish, raced in the Guinness liveried March, and my son is an IndyCar driver. So, yes. Uh, thank you thank you for that, Kevin. Um As it's an extra shunt... I'm that... no good at American motorsports, I'm afraid. <laughs> He's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> American motorsports. IndyCar is American. <laughs> After being is an American race. After being in Formula One and Le Mans. I was say there was a lot in there before we got the American bit. You didn't put the bit yeah. about him going down in the mine in in Australia with David Kennedy, which is the most fascinating part of his story. And we need to know, learn more about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they, they both of them they were they were earning they were earning good money as 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 mine labourers in Australia. So they went down there and did that for a while because it, they, they made such good money that they allowed them to pay for their racing. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's a, a very, <laughs> yeah. very unusual. It's a very unusual story about racing drivers that they would go and do that sort of hard labor stuff and build the shillings up to go racing. 
Um, but you know, if any, anybody 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 who's met either Derek or David Kennedy will know that they they've been nowhere. You know, they they have no problem rolling their sleeves up if they have to. You know, they're pretty old school type of dudes. I certainly bloody sounds it. Makes wow. a difference. Doesn't it makes a difference to like sort of sitting around going, oh, I can't get any sponsors. I'm quitting. Right. <laughs> they went. They went halfway around. They went halfway around the world and then halfway down to the center of the world um, to go and find some money. Absolutely. Um, by the way, by the way, there was a there was a, a, a scale replica of Derek's 1982 Saudi Williams in the Saudi Paddock Club suite this weekend. Saudi had a big space. Um, for the first Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And, it, of course, it was coincident that um, for Sir Frank Williams should pass in the very week that we were course, racing yeah. in the country that fun- funded that team early on to its first titles. Yeah, that was... Um, did everyone... How many people drove the um, drove the Williams? Because every time I saw a picture of it over the weekend, it had somebody else behind the wheel. That car got some serious mileage in. From the looks of things, <laughs> well, there was two cars originally, and I think Martin Brundle gave it a little bit too much stank on the first <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> and because I, I was listening, I was listening to them going around. I, Martin and Damon Hill were out there at the same time, and I, I, I said to somebody, I said, Oof. "Well, whichever one of them's ahead is giving it a lot more welly than the guy in second place." <laughs> I'd hear them coming around. I was like, "Wow, whoever's whoever's in the front giving it flat stick." person in second place is taking it nice and easy so i think i don't know brundle maybe stretched it a little bit beyond what they what they were expecting the car to do and there's only one car after that (laughs) (laughs) god damn it martin brundle (laughs) he's he's one he's one to talk about dangerous driving then um just want to give another shout out before we're done to um a friend of mine rick he's bizarrely opened a rum distillery on the isle of man and I got to try some of the rum at the weekend, good. and it is very nice. Um, it's actually offered a special to our UK listeners. If you go to outlierdistilling.com, uh, go to the shop and order anything and put in the code three legs, four wheels, you'll get free delivery. And I have a bottle of Hooli rum next to me that I was uh, very privileged to try because I get crashed at the launch party on Friday night. And it makes damn good cocktails. And that's probably why I was useless Saturday morning and maybe slept through some of F2. Um, but yeah, give, give the... What give, you're saying is it would make a fantastic Christmas present. It would, yeah. it would, it would, it would make a good Christmas present and it would, it would make a good drink. Um, but I did, pro- I did promise him he'd say that because it's, um, it's a mate that's just opened a new business and we just want to see local businesses do well. Of course. Because with a name like Three Legs, in, well, with Three Legs in the name, we've got to, we've got to plug the Isle of Man somehow. Um, I think I think that's about it for tonight. I I can't think of anything that we've not covered or touched on. Hang on, let me yeah. let me look well, at, let me look at the checklist. Hamilton, Verstappen, Cats. Yeah, it's all there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're done. I think. Yeah. Unless anyone has got anything else to add, I just... there was a lot of cat Twitter. I, I can I also add in my Twitter right now. And uh, I was just checking the comment section, uh, the bit about riding out of the racetrack with an SUV full of active racing drivers, and they all said Verstappen was out of order. But it's got this uh, this response from at underscore PokerHub, who says, nobody cares, fuckhead. Who the fuck are you anyway, nobody? So there we go. There's your <laughs> moment, moment of zen. Oh, that's, your, just... that's your moment okay. of zen for today. Yeah. 
Sean, thank you as always. It's been fantastic to have you on and I know it's pushing two in the morning where you are and obviously you've got a full week's work in the build-up to um, the big showdown this weekend. Are we calling Are we calling this one the Jewel in the Desert Part 2? Part 3, um, Part five, 5, Part 4, I can't remember, I've lost track. It's the shizzle in the dizzle. <laughs> <laughs> That, that will do. We we will let you go and um, get some well-deserved sleep. And uh, is there a Starbucks anywhere near you? Because you might need one of those in the morning. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm actually, to get, just to give you an idea, I'm actually staying in a an extremely nice condo. It's on the 38th floor overlooking the Dubai Marina. So it, it's um, extremely, if you're, those of you are familiar with the, the Dubai uh, area, you'll know the marina is one of the most uh, uh, enjoyable areas to be. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, going down and getting breakfast tomorrow with a friend of mine who lives here. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, just trying to beat this jet lag coming from California to Dubai. It's a 12-hour time change. This is the biggest jet lag you can have on Earth. Because, um, mm. obviously, if you keep going around the world, it starts changing downwards again. So <laughs> it's uh, ooh, it was kicking my ass in Saudi Arabia. I'm hoping that this week will be a little bit less uh, a little bit less bumpy for the, uh, for the sleep cycle. <laughs> Well, hopefully we'll be um, fighting fit by the weekend and um, we'll look out for you on Twitter where you can be found at, vir- at Virtual Statman as always. And if you want to get hold of us, it's at Three Legs, Four Wheels on Twitter, Facebook and the rarely used, and we'll start doing something with it again, Instagram. And individually on Twitter we are... At Sean Cowper. At Flood21. At a Total Shunt. And at Pablo100. Right, let's keep everything crossed for uh, for this weekend and um, all being well if our internet holds out in uh, the, the new iteration of Three Legs Towers, which is probably why it sounds different tonight. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.